0: In 2006, the Pussycat Dolls were loosening up their buttons. Beyoncé was having a déjà vu, and Jessica Simpson was stepping out for a public affair. Another artist who did some stepping out of her very own was none other than Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas. This year saw the release of her debut studio album, an album that has made history—broken records—and is helmed as one of the best debut pop albums ever. London Bridge, Big Girls Don't Cry—the hits are endless. Join me today as we dissect the entire era surrounding the Duchess, the debut album by Fergie, pretty much the closest that will ever get to covering any royalty on this show hey everybody my name is michael kadosh and i'm here to welcome you all to planet 2000s a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history let's dive in Hello, you guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Planet 2000s. I am your host, Michael Kadosh, and today we're going to be talking about Fergie and her 2006 album, The Duchess. Now, this album is pretty legendary. I definitely owned it when I was younger. I remember buying it at HMV when they had their little two for 25 sale. I think it would you'd have to get two albums for $25, and that was like usually like the popular albums were like that. I think I had gotten Fergie and Gwen Stefani, so quite the duo, let me tell you of the time. But without further ado, let's get into it. All right. We're talking about the Duchess. It was the debut album by Fergie. It was released September 13th, 2006, by AM Records by, and by Will I Am Music Group. Will I Am Music Group was a subsidiary of those labels and Interscope as well. It was recorded during the break from the Black Eyed Peas' 2005 tour for their album Monkey Business, which was their second album with Fergie. It was their fourth album overall, but as you know, if you guys listened to my previous episode, you obviously know that Fergie was not one of the original members of the Black Eyed Peas. She joined in a little bit later and then ended up helping them achieve their incredible mainstream success. That obviously was going to translate into her solo album, or at least people thought and They were correct. It was a really successful album. A good chunk of the material was actually recorded within the first seven years. Um, Well, I should say not the first seven years, but seven years prior to the album being made. This goes back from when she was in this group called Wild Orchid, and she was still trying to make a solo album, and she was still writing music. And so a lot of the songs that ended up on this album were actually written during that period as well, and just updated because she only really had one or two months to record this album after the Black Eyed Peas tour, since Will I Am really wanted to put out her project right away, um, and establish her as a solo artist as well.
1: My solo record has always been a plan in my book since I was seven years old. Seven must be the magic number because this record was done over a period of seven years. It wasn't all at one time. There were songs that I wrote when I was in Wild Orchid to... Parting ways with Wild Orchid into becoming a member of the Black Eyed Peas. There's a song called Losing My Ground. It's about a very crazy subject matter, which is my relationship with drugs. And it's about that moment when you realize that your whole world is falling apart. And I was very careful to not hide that on this album, because it's part of who I am, and that struggle makes me who I am. It's important that I let people know on my album where I've been so that people know how hard the struggle has been and, and where I've come from. Because I don't think a lot of people know. They can sit there on the internet and I don't know if I'm allowed to say, talk a lot of but do they know who I am? This is my chance to let people know who I am.
0: The album went across many, many different genres, including pop, hip hop, R and B, reggae, punk rock, and soul. One thing that I really admire about Fergie and her musicality is that she's always giving props to the people who came before her, and she's always giving props to the people who have inspired her. And you can always hear that in her music. You know, whether it's through the usage of samples or whether it's just through the actual sound itself, or in interviews. You know, Fergie is always giving props to the people that came before her and the people who helped pave the way for the sound that she is now trying to achieve with her music.
1: Female MCs were a big influence for me. You know, Roxanne Chante, Queen Latifah, Moni Love, salt and Peppa. Those were women that I looked up to because they were strong. You know, they were ballsy. And uh, I feel I'm that way. You know, sometimes I get flack for that. But that's Who I Am.
0: The album was an immense success. It sold nearly 4 million copies in the States, 6 million copies worldwide. Production was done mostly by Will I. Am, and some tracks were done by Ron Fair, John Legend, Paula Dodon, and Keith Harris. But as I said earlier, you know, the journey to making this album was not an easy one for Fergie. After 10 years with the group Wild Orchid, she joined the Black Eyed Peas and eventually began work on her solo album. She went on to state in an interview that it was, in terms of the actual process of making the album, that it was a very serene, complete opposite to the chaos of touring experience. I was alone a lot, which is something that doesn't happen to me on tour, so I got to find these emotions that are a little bit deeper to the surface. For example, the makeup song, All That I Got, and Velvet, which are very intimate lyrically and feeling-wise. I wanted the latter to sound like Velvet feels, very smooth, and I wanted it to be sensual. There was always something that she thought of. Every single song had a image in her mind that she was trying to achieve with this record. The album's title, The Duchess, is actually a derivation of the noble title, The Duchess of York, as Fergie which is a derivative of her own last name, Ferguson, and Sarah Ferguson, the actual Duchess of York, share a surname and a nickname, Fergie. It obviously garnered a lot of media attention, and Sarah Ferguson, the real Fergie herself, commented, "...automatically, everyone in America thinks I'm Fergie, the most beautiful woman in the world from the Black Eyed Peas. You know I rang her about that, and I said, Fergie, it's Fergie. Now that you've done this, you have to sing at a concert for my foundation, Children in Crisis." I think that that's kind of iconic that Fergie was able to create that relationship. And I think that that actually helped her with in establishing a name for herself in the media, because most people already knew a Fergie, but now they're looking at like this, you know, sexy sexpot dancing, you know, singing Fergie and not Duchess of York that we're all used to. And it was quite a genius image, I have to say. And from a marketing perspective, they really did a great job of capitalizing off of that. Fergie... Stated that the album was a very colorful album, that there was dub, reggae, and stuff like The Temptations, and also some rock and roll. You know, she really was diverse. The singles that were released off the album were London Bridge, Fergalicious, Glamorous, Big Girls Don't Cry, Clumsy, and Finally five of those six singles were actually top five singles. London Bridge obviously being the first single released from the album. She performed it on David Letterman, TRL, The Today Show, and the VMA pre-show. It didn't get the best reaction when it first came out. You know, a lot of people were saying that it was kind of a ripoff of Hollaback Girl by Gwen Stefani, but it was very successful. You know, it was number one in the U.S. and number one in New Zealand, and it Created a really great vibe for Fergie while gearing up to release this album. When it comes to iconic tracks I truly believe that Fergalicious is just one of those tracks.
1: Fergalicious is is very precious to me. I emulated the cadence of JJ Fad It also samples one of the songs that was uh, a favorite of mine to go dance to, Afro Rican, give it all you got. So it's very nostalgic of my past.
0: It's obviously a mix of the words fergie and delicious together. But the song itself I think made one of the stronger cultural impacts on society, at least, in terms of the singles from this album. It was co produced by Will I Am and a lot of Critics kind of called it the sister to My Humps by Black Eyed Peas, you know? It was inspired by Salt and Pepper, and there are a few samples in the song Give It All You Got, and as well as Supersonic by JJ Fad. You know, she wanted to create, like I said earlier, this kind of sound that paid homage to her idols. She said that, you know, she loved Salt and Pepper, Roxanne Chantay, and all the female MCs, and that's what this song really put up. She performed it at the 2006 Billboard Music Awards. It's known for its Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory video. It got heavy rotation on MTV and much music, so know a lot of people know the video very well. Um, there were a few controversies within the song, though. One of them was in March of 2009, former NWA member The Arabian Prince actually sued Fergie's record label over unpaid royalties for including a sample of Supersonic, by J.J. Fad, which was a song that he produced. The lawsuit was filed in the New York Supreme Court, claiming that Smeika Jerry Heller, and Ruthless Records owed him 20% of the royalties from the song. And he also claims that the label refused him payment on numerous occasions. Ouch. One of the more iconic feuds that <laughs> kind of came out from the song was Fergie versus Nelly Furtado. Now, when I was a kid and Promiscuous by Nelly Furtado was coming out, this song had come out afterwards a few months, so Promiscuous was already a hit, and it had already done its thing, and Fergie has a line in this song where she's like, I ain't promiscuous, and everyone was like, oh, is she, like, throwing shit you know a lot of people were like you know what that's just reaching like it's promiscuous is just a word well then Nelly Furtado put out the song give it to me with Timbaland and Justin Timberlake I'm gonna read you some of these lyrics from Nelly Furtado's verse and you guys make the judgments I'm the type of girl that'll look you dead in the eye I'm real as they come if you don't know why I'm fly see trying to switch it up but girl you ain't got to I'm the wonder woman let me go get my ropes you love my ass and my abs in the video called promiscuous so it has actually been confirmed that that verse was about Fergie. Nelly Furtado believed that Fergie was trying to rip off her style, which is kind of ironic to me, if you want me to be honest with you, because they all came out at the same time. And if anyone's copying anyone's style, Nelly was copying Gwen Stefani's style. So she needs to sit down with that one. But yeah, no, she actually wrote that about Fergie. And so now they're saying that kind of that kind of was like the back and forth. And it started from Fergalicious, but I think it had started from things that people had heard them say behind the scenes. And then they decided to bring it to the music. We love a little pop beef, let me tell you. Glamorous was released as the third single from the album. A lot of people compared it to the songs Luxurious by Gwen Stefani, Jenny from the Block from Jennifer Lopez, and Material Girl by Madonna.
1: Glamorous is a song that is not just about being um, so glamorous all the time. You know, it's telling about, you know, the things that I... That I um, have achieved and 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 now that the perks that i get you know through this business mm. and all the material things but also that suburban girl who will always be in me and who is in me who lives in me who will always be there and you know i like to keep that and that's what the song is saying it's like yeah i've, I've acquired this yeah. now and i appreciate it because i know it's worth yeah but i still have this part as well you collaborated with Ludacris on a single how yes. did that come about uh, Ludacris was good friends with Polo D'On. He's the producer right. of Glamorous and London Bridge. Okay. And you know he had known Luda since you know Luda was working at radio. He was a he was a DJ. Right. And produced some of his old demos and uh, you know so he came, he was in the studio one day and, and uh, I came back the next day and, and Polo D'On played me me glamorous you know and so i uh and fell in love yeah i know so i was excited because i just think Ludacris is so talented you know in many ways yeah and uh we had fun filming the video doing our whole bonnie and clyde number you know the whole the whole cinematic yeah experience with him was great shooting the guns yeah that felt really powerful i loved that part
0: Glamorous was one of the bigger hits from the album. If you ain't got no money, get your broke ass home. <laughs> Listen, it did not even compare to the success of Big Girls Don't Cry. It was released as the fourth single off the album, and it was a ballad. So it was written by Fergie and Toby Gad. But originally, the thing is that Fergie didn't want to put it on the album, because when she was putting together the sequencing for the album and choosing what songs were going to go on it, London Bridge was already released as a single. So she was trying to pick songs that fit that vibe, and Big Girls Don't Cry was not that. So they had decided, her and her label had decided not, to put out the song, they shopped it around to other artists. There was an artist named Jordan McCoy. She was a contestant on the show American Juniors, which I used to watch and I used to love as a kid. Fun fact Lucy Hale from Pretty Little Liars, and she was actually a contestant on that show too. But Jordan McCoy was one of them. I remember I loved her on the show. I thought she was so cute. And she ended up getting a record deal. When she was gearing up to release the first single off her debut album, she was given the song Big Girls Don't Cry by her label because, like I said, Fergie wasn't going to use it. Fergie was shopping it around. Jordan actually recorded the song and released it. It did not thing and then all this is maybe a period of 2 months and Fergie was like you know what I'm going to put this on my album cuz you know it is my song She ends up putting it on the album, releases it a year later, and becomes her biggest hit. But not just her biggest hit, one of the biggest pop hits of the 2000s. That goes for UK, Australia, where it hit number one for nine weeks. It also topped the charts in Austria, Canada, Czech Republic, Hungary, Ireland, New Zealand, Norway, Poland, Romania, Slovakia. The
1: list goes on and on. Um, For me, you know, especially with that song with Big Girls, it, you know, it was really just my soul talking. It kind of um, poured out on paper and... And for people to really relate with that song is, is really special to me, you know, because it shows there are people out there who have had those same experiences.
0: The song was also used for a promo for the brand Candies and the music video featured the actor Milo Ventimiglia, who obviously, if you guys watch This Is Us or Gilmore Girls, you know who he is and you know that he's very dreamy. So this was a very big success for Fergie. It ended up as being one of the most successful pop songs and she was nominated for a Grammy in 2008 for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance for the song. I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet 2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. In terms of lyrical content for the album, she was talking about things like love, critics, but she also made a really huge emphasis to talk about her past experience with drug abuse and addiction. For those of you who don't know, Fergie had an addiction to crystal meth in the early 2000s, and she actually went on Oprah and a couple of years later to speak about it and where it came from.
1: So I got into a scene, I started going out and, and taking ecstasy, you know, from ecstasy it went to crystal meth and... Mm-hmm. And if, at first, you need at a, a first higher drug, high? with any drugs. With any yeah. drugs, it's you know, everything is great at the beginning, and then slowly your life starts to spiral down. Mm-hmm. It almost killed you, right? Yeah. You were and ninety these, pounds. Ninety pounds at one point. What was I your rock bottom? My rock bottom was my brain had been playing a lot of tricks on me. I thought the FBI was after me. You kind of living in this kinda of alternate reality. Mm-hmm. It's very Were you strange. doing it every day? Yeah. Every day. Yeah. And I started getting really paranoid. So I, I went one day into this church and I thought that the FBI and the SWAT teams were outside of the church. And this is what the drug was telling me. This is what you. the drug was telling me. There's a lot more that goes, there's a whole dancing ninja that was on my balcony which <laughs> I don't know if we need to go into. <laughs> but uh, My mind was going some some places. So I said to, I had a conversation with God. I'm very, I'm very close with my higher power, I have a very strong connection with it. And I said, all right, if I go out there and the FBI and the SWAT team's not out there, then it's the drugs and I'm stopping. But if they're out there, then obviously I was right this entire time and it's a yeah. big conspiracy. So obviously I, I went outside of the church and they actually kicked me out. And there was no SWAT team. There was no FBI, just me and God. And- uh, Did you keep your promise? I kept my promise. Yeah. That day? That day. That was it? That was it. How long were you on drugs? How long were you in that spiraling down? It was very quick for me. I was actually lucky I went crazy because that made me stop. Mm-hmm. It was a year, uh-huh. almost a year's time. Uh-huh. So it was, it was pretty quick.
0: So yeah, Fergie was in a group, a girl group called Wild Orchid in the late 90s. They were touring. They just weren't doing well. She really wanted to go solo and she didn't know how to do that. She didn't know how to confront her girls because it felt like she was closing a friendship if she did that. And she turned to drugs, started doing ecstasy, and then it moved on to crystal meth. You know, she tells that story with Oprah, being in that church, how it it drove her crazy. And she was seeing things and it drove her to that church and she was like, the FBI is after me. She also said in an interview that at one point she was painting her windows black. She was down to 90 pounds, almost at the brink of death, which is kind of scary. Scary to think. Just like any drug, you know, it starts off amazing, and then your life starts to spiral out of control, and that's what happened to Fergie. She wanted to talk about that in her album. She wanted to be honest, and that's something that I commend her for. Because you know, in the in the two thousands, image was everything. Everything was so calculated all the time, and it was very rare that you actually got to see artists be quote unquote real. Because the media was so evil and so crazy to. Anyone, especially women. So the fact that she braved that and decided to talk about it was amazing. She talks about her crystal meth addiction in one of the songs in the album called Losing My Ground, which is one of my favorite songs. I'm gonna read you some of the lyrics from this song. I woke up short of breath, but still I've got a long day ahead of me. I don't know what day it is, but tell me, cause I gotta know who to be. Is that me up in the mirror? Cause I thought it was somebody else. Well, it's a realization when you find out that you don't even wanna look at yourself. I really commend Fergie for coming forward about her addiction because, you know, there are a lot of people I'm sure who are going through that and who are fans of hers the fact they were able to see her make it through that moment come out successful and as a very successful person in the music world it's inspirational and I really commend her for that love you, Ferg. The album The Duchess left a legacy, honey, let me tell you. After debuting at number three, it reached a new peak on the Billboard charts 53 weeks later. That means it stayed consistent for over a year and it reached a new peak of number two. It stayed on the Billboard charts for 94 weeks and has since sold 3.9 million copies in the USA. It is certified four times platinum. It was a number one album in Australia for four weeks in the summer of 2007. It also went platinum in the UK, Canada, Japan, New Zealand, Poland, and Russia. The Duchess also became one of the most commercially successful albums for the years 2006 and 2007. Furthermore, with the immense success of the fourth single, Big Girls Don't Cry, which became her third solo number one hit, she became the first female artist to have three number one hits from the same album since Christina Aguilera did so in 2000 with her debut album. Once Clumsy hit the top 10, the album then became the first album of the new millennium to have five top 10 hits, record that only Katy Perry has broken since with her 2010 album, Teenage Dream. Fergie had also, five consecutive top five hits in Australia, becoming the second artist to achieve that feat with a debut album, and the first to do so was Delta Goodrem with her 2003 album Innocent Eyes, which had five consecutive number ones. Now, while analyzing the album after eight years of its release, Jason Lipshutz of Billboard commented A monster hit by any metric, as well as an underrated pop pastiche that introduced the world to a fearlessly individual female artist that had been hiding in plain sight. It arrived, it conquered. And eight years later, it still has no upshot. It's a weird, wild debut and one of the most successful ones of this century. Fergie deserves retroactive praise for an uncompromising first look and will keep spelling tasty with an E tucked in the middle. (laughs) Honestly, I truly have Gwen Stefani and Fergie to thank for teaching me how to spell bananas and delicious and tasty and all those words because of Fergalicious and bad Girls. So love you, girls. Fergie also embarked on her debut solo tour with 23 shows across the USA and it was titled the Verizon VIP Tour. She won an American Music Award for Favorite Pop Rock Female Artist, an MTV Video Music Award for Female Artist of the Year, and a Much Music Award for Best International Video. All in all, I think it's safe to say that The Duchess is one of the most successful debut albums of all time. 15 years later, it's still just as fresh, you guys. I was just jabbing to it today while preparing for this podcast. And yo, every single song is a banger. My personal favorites big girls don't cry losing my ground all that i got the makeup song Mostly because I just love a ballad. And I love clumsy and glamorous as well. Mary Jane Shoes is the perfect song if you want to have a little herbal moment. (laughs) It features Rita Marley, who is um, the widow of Bob Marley. So she definitely had that vibe to it, too. Obviously, we know that, you know, she hasn't really been in the spotlight recently ever since her national anthem performance in 2018. But (laughs) we obviously know she is talented and I'm always going to be a Fergie fan. And I'm sure that today, when you guys go to jam out to this album after listening to this podcast y'all are gonna call yourselves fergie fans again and be like oh yeah i forgot this was so iconic thank you guys so much for listening it was a pleasure to go down memory lane with you and fergie the duchess and the black Eyed peas this week if you guys didn't get a chance to listen to that episode that was released today as well you can do so and i hope you guys have an amazing day i'll see you next time bye